Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Show. The crazy thing about it is, yes, I probably would be fine right now had we not won the game, but I'm going to keep the focus on the most important thing is our players and our coaching staff. I mean, I thought they did a tremendous job, you know, throughout the game. Getting into halftime, you know, these guys, these, these young men believe and they're fighting. And the message that we want to send today to everybody is, man, we're going to fight. That is Kevin Keats. Oh, Keats, 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 Keats getting tossed early in this game. Two technicals. Man was about eight feet on the court. Wouldn't exactly leave. Uh, he had a point, by the way. I thought the officiating was ridiculously inconsistent, not just in the first half before the Keats technical, but really for the whole damn game. But don't let that spoil your mood today, NC State fans, because you beat a real good Wake team. You had to fight back from double digits down multiple times to get this win. You had to play some amazing team defense in the second half, get performances from bench players like Diara and Ben Middlebrooks. Um, DJ Horn's got his groove back these last two games. That was a really nice win. An intense game in the stands bone and on the court, as we saw with that whole, you know, technical foul, technical foul, technical foul, technical foul, technical foul, the debacle <laughs> at the end of the game. You know? I don't know. I started uh, saying technical foul, and I realized there's like six of them. I got to say it like six times. Well, I feel like we were on a podcast, and someone just sped back up too fast. I'm a human foul. coffee bean, baby. Technical I make foul. my own energy. Technical foul, technical foul, technical foul. Uh, Matt, I think what happened also was the two big questions that we have about Wake stayed exposed down the stretch. Depth without Monsanto oh, yeah. still back. That was a major problem. 30 to 2 in bench points and getting stops when they need to. End of the game, Wake couldn't get the stops they needed defensively. Can they get those stops? Do they have the depth? State, to their credit, took advantage. And their defense down the stretch for State, the way they pushed Wake out. This When this offense gets time to operate, Wake is almost impossible to stop with the way they move that basketball. They couldn't do it, though, because the offense, the shot clock was down to 10, and they were scrambling around trying to figure out who to get the ball to, and that ended up with a lot of bad shots, a lot of bad possessions. It did. It did. And they overcame this ridiculous Knight from Austin Carr, who was 10 of 13, 28 points. But the guards, though, like I know Salas did work before getting tossed late, but Hildreth and Boopy Miller together were 6 of 25 from the field. I mean, Boopy had 900 free throws, but the, the field goal shooting of those two guards, Bone, they, they, were, they were held in check by NC State, who did a great job. This, this might be Keats' best defensive team, in all honesty. Um, I thought you were going to say really, his best. Because that's say usually... I think it's his best coaching job last night. A, well, state fans have already made that joke that the second half was Keats' best coaching second half. And we joke, but what do you think was said in the locker room, right? 
Because I was really critical on Twitter when Keats got those two texts. I'm not a big fan of coaches getting themselves tossed and not being there for their team. I understand there could be a firing up, you know, thing going on there or whatever. But I'm not a big fan of that. Like, go get your one. You stood out there in the middle of the damn court damn near. But at that point, you know, abort the mission. And he said he he said the first one, 100%, I knew what I was doing. He didn't think he had done enough to get the second one. And he, and he did, according to the high knee referee. But um, what do you think was said at halftime? Like, I'm guessing there was a fire and brimstone speech about, you know, they're taking it from you. Don't don't let the don't let the referees take that from you. Go out there and take it back. Like you know what I mean? So yeah, no. like we we joke about it. Oh, what a great coach on the second half. But I'm pretty sure the fact that like when it's one thing that happens in the second half, Bone, you get kicked out, you can't talk to your team. But when you have halftime to talk to your team and fire them up because I that intensity defensively in the second half was different for NC State. Yeah, whatever whatever was said probably was more on the defensive side because Wake scored 45 points. In the first half, just 31 uh, in the second half. So whatever speech was made uh, defensively is where the adjustments were made. How about State scoring 83 points in a game in 2024, the way basketball is played, without without one three-pointer made? Not one thing. That's, that's unbelievable. Crazy. It really is. It's shocking. But for them, for them to do that, that's an accomplishment in their own right. They didn't. And the thing I like about them is they only shot nine threes. Like, I see way too many teams, Bone, and State averages eight threes a game. Like, they can hit them. But you see teams that just, I'm put, we're putting up 18, 23s. It doesn't matter if none go in. And I always like the school of thought, you're not hitting a three tonight? Attack the rack. Get to the free throw line. Get some confidence that way. Get some layups. Get some free throws. Then go out and see. If one, you have that confidence, now you can hit some threes. But I like the fact they didn't force the three. They got to the free throw line 33 times. I, I swear. And I don't know if anybody else thinks this. And I hope state fans are fired up. We're getting some texts from state fans, also state haters that are trying to, like, poo-poo the win. But Good, my texts are getting through. <laughs> if you're a state fan, you fired up about this team, 5-1 and one for the first time after six games um, since 1989. That's the best six-game start to an ACC season bone since 1989. And I almost feel like they got more calls after Keats did what he did. I don't know... Like, do you think that worked? Sometimes psychologically with referees, it can work. They don't do it intentionally, but I think it does weigh in the back of their minds a little bit. Look, State's doing a great job of taking advantage of those spots behind Duke and Carolina right now that's up for grabs. Totally. It is way up for grabs because, you know, Miami's had their issues along the way. Virginia is not what they have been at all. Wake is right there with them. We saw last night they're, they're pretty even basketball teams. Clemson is a team that has fallen fast. That should be in that area, that that three four spot behind uh, Carolina and Duke right now. But NC State, there is room to be had right behind Carolina, Duke, and State is taking advantage of it that Clemson's not doing because they lost in overtime. Oh again. my God, they've lost four or five now. This Clemson team with all that experience, uh, traffic guy from Mooresville says, never in doubt as a Wolfpack fan. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure the whole way through this you is, were feeling that way. This is a state fan Doug, dream. They got to win and they can complain about the referees last night. Doug said, <laughs> Doug said, <laughs> and our best big was puking. Yeah, they got 19 minutes from DJ Burns. He was sick late and, and Wake has nothing like Middlebrooks and DR off the bench. They have nothing like that.
They are so – they tried to put Keller, big old Keller in there, and DJ Burns scored on him in two seconds. He was out, and big old Marsh was in there, and he ain't a ton better. And, like, and they, their depth is really bad. Fredrickson comes in off the bench and doesn't do much more than shoot. He's a great shooter, but he's a very one-dimensional player. Like, they have very little off the bench. It's true. Also, Reed got in foul trouble, too. So that did not help them in the middle of that second half where Reed was trying to play a little more tentative than he likes to play. So that was yeah, also a factor. That's yeah. true. That's true. So, okay, let's talk about the non-basketball stuff. Oh, Smitty from the city said he loved Keats Fire. They gave him three seconds between texts. Horn let him know how we feel about officiating. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. Because, like, the Horn thing's funny. It makes for a great meme. On social media, I may have already used it, Bo, oh, on social media okay. last night. You or, it towards me? Or, or quote tweeted it. Oh, okay. I may have quote tweeted it last night. Um, but we do need to talk about that because that's not your normal moment from a college athlete on you know live TV and going viral on Twitter and all that stuff. The referees, were they bad, Bone? Like, you made the joke about state fans. Like, I thought... I just thought they were inconsistent. I'm not even sure Wake fans are happy with the officiating either, to be honest. Like, I don't think it's just a state thing. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're often bad. Last night was a referee showcase, especially down the stretch where, if you missed it, Middlebrooks was celebrating a basket. Salas didn't like that he got bumped into. They got into it. The Aura got in there. There was multiple double technical foul situations. Guys were rejected. And it, the problem, Mac, is not always necessarily the calls that are made. It's how long it often will take to try to figure out what happened in these situations. It just goes on forever. So they make the call in the court, and then they spend like six or seven minutes. The end of these basketball games, it's always been a thing that we talk about. But, oh, my God, the reviews they go to in college basketball, the the, the waiting to try to figure it out is even worse than the call sometimes. And there's no doubt about it. It took forever. And I also thought, honestly, and I may be in the minority, I thought they literally could have separated every, all those kids and, and just gave them warnings and just played ball. Like yeah, it wasn't I, exactly the Pistons Celtics in the eighties. Yeah, they're just showing. I didn't think now. Now, so, uh, somebody called Middlebrooks a punk. This texture says that punk Ben Middlebrooks running over Salas started the whole thing. He should have been tossed and no one else. I thought he was set, like excited about the N one. And then was like, you know, excited and walking and just bumped into him. Yeah, I, he didn't know he was there until like he well, he turned yeah. like right as he bumped yeah. into him. But Salas took it personally, and I took that personally. It's like MJ in the documentary, which is not really yeah. a problem either, right? Like, and then the comes over and basically stands up for his guy. Like, I didn't think anything major. Had that occurred. explanation was pathetic, by the way. That they headbutted they each other. That's that's like, come on. They that, that wasn't even. Did close. you see Diara getting yelled at by the coaching staff and his own players on the on the bench on the sidelines? They, they they showed it briefly, and then one of the, the some of the media that was there said Dr was getting was getting into it with his own team over there at one point. After that, so he was hyped. He was out of control. Um, good emotional ACC game, Big Four game again. I'm loving this season because the Big Four was literally the top four in the ACC entering the night. And I know Wake drops behind Florida State for now, but I just I love having the Big Four. It's a throwback. It's a throwback, Bone, having a big four up there towards the top. Now, what about the DJ Horn thing? So, Flown, you think this is a big – when you say you – because you went off about how classless DJ Horn was. And you might have said some stuff about the whole university. Like, do you – so are you saying that this should be penalized by the ACC? Or are you just saying the kids should be real? Well, I, I would imagine that Kevin Keats is, is probably going to have a talk with him. Has I wouldn't to. be I mean, shocked. It's not ideal, man. I wouldn't be shocked if he did sit him down for a game because it's like, look, man, and, and I've seen people that are blaming Keats for it. 
I don't think that's so, like you yelling at officials. Like we see that all the time from head coaches. But we've seen like when guys on the bench start yelling, they will tell their guys, hey, that's my job. That's not your job. Let me handle that. Let me be the one that gets in trouble for that because I'm the one that's being paid millions of dollars to handle that kind of stuff. You, you, you stay under control. And that, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty so, rough look. So did Coach, Coach K wouldn't stand for this back in the day. Sit that guy down for 10 to 15 minutes. Indefinitely, Bo. It'd be indefinitely. See, I'm making a joke <laughs> at my own expense here, all right? Settle down, everybody. He's beating us to it. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Multiple people are sending this picture in. It's all over Twitter. Most people seem to be amused by it on Twitter. I'm amused by it, but yet, yet Keats better talk to him. Like, this is still a student athlete. I, I, it's still not a good look at all. It's unnecessary, even if it's a funny visual. So the the referee, which actually is not the high knee, high knee guy, Jeffrey Anderson, that everybody was mad at. It's, it's one of the other refs. But he's got his back turned as Horn is approaching the free throw line. So I guess he's doing it behind the back of the referee. Like, don't you think that could get you a one-game suspension for the ACC? Absolutely could, yes. Especially with how viral. It wasn't like it was under the radar. Did he really do it? No, he obviously did it, and it went viral fast. So there's no avoiding what he did. There's no there's no discussion on what he did. He did it. It's not like, did he mean to do it? Did he do the old nose pick thing like Bayheim would do and give the finger? No, he gave the birds. Like It's not a debate that he did it or not. He didn't he know the cameras were on him. Like now, I said in hour one, he wasn't saying, is this a one and one here? <laughs> That'll be their excuse, though. I was asking, ref, what a one. <laughs> That's funny, right? Flounder, what do you think uh, state fans would say if a UNC player double birded during Oh, his- my God. I mean, dude, that would be the whole week. But what I'm saying, this is not a great look when then you go back and you look at the last home game that they played. And the last home game, you boo a kid for trying to make a hustle play because he accidentally runs into one of your plays. You have people going on social media. Did you see the video of the guy that I sent you that said Wendell Murphy should sue him for <laughs> yeah, taking him out? Like I mean, these, these, it's, it, it is. But little because, brother syndrome at its finest. Listen, you had some dumb fans booing. I think it's ridiculous to boo kids that's making a hustle play. Even if your big million dollar, multi million dollar donor gets hurt, uh, it's ridiculous. But it, like, let's not act like it's every. See, what Flounder does, Bone, is DJ Horn flips the middle birds, and in the first hour, Flounder says, That is typical of that university. It's like it's, it's a kid, man. It's a kid doing something. It's like, I, I just do not think it reflects on all of NC State. You had some dummies booing Harrison Ingram, you had one guy on Twitter. Asking for a lawsuit. Like, these are dummies. Let's not act flounder like there ain't dummies in the Tar Heel fan base. I actually, a, I, I, you know what? I resent that comment. Actually, I, <laughs> I have a list if you need to look at it. Do you re- resemble it? You got some. <laughs> in my forthcoming book, Basketball for Dummies with uh, Dummies. James from Maiden says, listening to UNC oh, fan. speaking of the Duke fan dummies. Listen to, hey, listening whoa, 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 whoa. to a UNC fan give guidelines on behavior is ridiculous. Smitty from the city says, little brother, hold on here, little brother, we kicked y'all's ass in football. So anyway, Myron says Horn should be suspended. So anyway, this is juicy, man. This is good, juicy ACC hoops on tobacco. How about road. the juice doesn't involve like a Duke Carolina thing here? Yeah. It's Wake and State. Credit to Wake and State for producing juice. That's and what I'm saying. This season out. is a fun one on Tobacco Road. Shout out to the Charlotte 49ers. Road went over Rice yes. last night. Rallied from 20 down, 24 to Very 4. Nice. Uh, Rice is not good, but for the Charlotte 49ers, any road win in conference play is special. Shout out to the Charlotte Cooked 49ers. Cooked them like Uncle Ben's, baby. <laughs> when, <laughs> 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 Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant. 
Instant Replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Welcome back, folks, on a Wednesday to the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Shout out to Mike Salate, man. Once again, coming through with a great interview. You can check that out on the Wesson Walker Podcast. If you missed it, you can get it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcast. Keep the text coming on the text line, 704-570-9610. Mike B said true. Great segment, though. He was asking about that. Mike. Well, he wanted to hear Mike's Hornets uh, takes. And mm. I said, only so much time. We went way over on that, trying to continue to shower Mike Solarte with praise and also get his opinions. But, yeah, somebody else said, man, he almost works as hard as y'all do, right? And Walker does. And here's the thing. I did that stuff, like, where I was trying to go, one, I didn't have near the reach that Solarte did. And I did that for, like, a couple of months mm-hmm. in that role. Solarte's been doing that for... I mean, are we on 30 years? I guess not 30. We're going on 20. Sorry, I'm sorry to age you, Mike. I didn't mean to do that. But it's crazy. Like, it doesn't matter what the event is that is covered. Solarte is going to bring that to you. I it, No matter what you're talking about, it's just crazy to see him there. Yeah, NASCAR Brand said, give this man a weekly segment. Great insight. And then something else has been coming up on the line. We can throw this in uh, really quick. Shaggy says, given the news about Bally Sports and Amazon, do you guys know when that will start? Do we have to wait until the next season to watch games or is it ASAP? That we don't know. But for those who don't know, uh, Amazon is acquiring a minority stake in Diamond Sports Group. The regional sports network filed for bankruptcy last year, putting local media rights for 37 teams across the NBA, MLB, and NHL in jeopardy. Now customers can watch games on Amazon Prime. So I'm not quite sure what uh, that's going to do for all of the parties involved, but uh, I know that We've gotten a few comments about that on the text line. So what Amazon is going to do is they're going to use their platform and uh, prime video platform to offer direct-to-consumer access to all the leagues that are carried by Bally. So, yes, that does mean your Charlotte Hornets and for all the Braves fans out there, Canes fans, Bally, will now you just basically go to prime video, and that will be the direct-to-consumer content that you so seek that on your favorite teams. you no teams. longer need a Bally subscription to see these things? Um, it might just transfer. It might just be Prime Video. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure on all of that. I just know 
it's not going to be only Bally, and they're going to have plenty of financial backing if Jeff Bezos is on your side now. No doubt about They're that. not filing for bankruptcy. No doubt. All right, so getting <laughs> back to the Carolina Panthers, coaching carousel, the playoffs, of course. We're going to get that thing back cranked up on Saturday. I know it felt like three straight days of doubleheader. It was like coming up gasping for air, all of the football that we took in over a three-day period. You wanted more. Well, we were yes, we were. I, I could never get enough football, <laughs> but it was still like, whoo! It no, was like after you. that last game, you're like, man, that's a lot of uh, football. So, when we look at the teams that are left remaining, and on the NFC side, you've got Green Bay and San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Detroit. On the AFC side, you got the Bills, the Chiefs, Baltimore, and the Texans. And so, if you're the Carolina Panthers. Who should you be pulling for? How should you go about this thing from a strategy perspective to get the guy that you want? And so I think that the more teams win, the more suitors uh, they're going to have, the more teams that will be waiting. And I would imagine it's not very advantageous uh, for Panthers fans. But, uh, Walker, how do you think that they should go about it? Because when you look at the candidates that are really high on the list, Bobby Slowick, who could more than likely be done this weekend uh, going up against Baltimore, who's ready and waiting there. Then you talk about uh, Detroit, Ben Johnson uh, sitting there with a matchup that looks very favorable for them. So you would think they're probably going to move on for at least another week uh, as well. And then also to Steve Wilkes, not that the Panthers would consider hiring him. But yeah, Sam Fran didn't have anybody in the game. At the defensive coordinator spot that, Man, you, you would just hate to think you would at least hope that there was at least a shred of a thought given to him, especially if they're able to go all the way and get it done. But more than likely, that's not going to happen. But, Walker, how do you think the Carolina fans should approach rooting uh, for these coaches? I have a top four list of teams that you should be pulling for to lose. Okay. Not to win. This is your top yeah, four list. I would imagine list you got to root for them to lose. To lose. Number one, Tampa Bay, division rival. Get them on up out of there. That's not the only reason, though. I've seen enough from Dave Canales to know that that is a guy I would not mind coaching my team. Mm -hmm. So now you get a division rival on up out of there. I don't want them having any more success. Stop. Get out of here. Dave Canales, now you can start to interview him. One, you still can via Zoom, but you know, maybe he doesn't get as hot. Right? Like, maybe you just start to cool him off a little bit. I've already seen as much as I need to, though. So Tampa Bay is number one. Houston is next. You could argue for them to be number one, but I need to be a hater on Houston. I'm drinking the Haterade every single last drop. I don't want C.J. Stroud to have more success right now <laughs> compared to Bryce Young. <laughs> I don't want Bobby Sloak to have no more. I've seen enough from C.J. Stroud to know the dude's special. I've seen enough from D'Amico. I've, I've seen enough of Houston doing a lot of what I wanted to do here in the Queen City. I'm done. I don't want to see you have any more success. Congratulations. I'm hating. Hate, 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 hate. Mm. I also want Bobby Slowick to have a little bit more access to him as a Panthers fan. So Bobby Slowick, that's another attractive candidate. This one you could interchange. I'm going to put Baltimore third. I like Todd Munkin a lot. And I think we've seen plenty of stops. This is not new, right? Like this is new for Slowick. This is the second year for Ben Johnson. This is not the first year for Dave Canales, but the first one that we've seen him a play caller with this squad. And and so it's the first year that we've heard their names as a real smart offensive coordinator, the first two. I've always thought Munkin was really good, and he's won at a bunch of different stops. So we know what Munkin is. I want, like, I want Lamar Jackson to do well, but I'm trying to view this from the lens of the hiring cycle, Wes. Mm -hmm. like, I'm pulling for Lamar Jackson to go win it all on top of, you know, whoever, right? Like, I'm pulling for him as a player. But I'll go Baltimore next, and then I'll go Detroit. Similar thing. 
it's hard to pull against Detroit because they haven't done it. They've never done this before, like in my lifetime. So I still want to see them continue to move on and on and on. But yeah, I definitely want to figure out where Ben Johnson's going. So then Carolina can figure out what they're going to do once Ben Johnson makes his decision. That's uh, my top four teams. I'm choose. I'm pulling for to lose Tampa, Houston, Detroit, Baltimore last. And really quick, or his name worse. hasn't been out there yet, but relatively young guy, 40 years of age. I mean, Adam Stinovich, the offensive coordinator for the, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Nobody's been talking about him. I guess he's not looking for jobs because also when you look at the job that they've done with Jordan Love and we know that Matt LaFleur is definitely uh, a huge proponent of that offense and their success as well. But do you think he's going to get any love as a head coach? And would you be uh, cool with the Panthers maybe pursuing him or or being a, a lead candidate for this job? Say the name one more time. Adam Stenovich. Yeah, for me, I think you're in the same lane of some of these play calls you don't know enough about. Gotcha. So it, it feels like Frank Smith is the most valued coach on a staff that isn't calling plays. Frank Smith, that's the guy. Then you move on to, I, I guess, Brian Callahan, even though we haven't talked about him as much until today with Dan Graziano predicting that he would be that next head coach for Carolina. So I feel like you have... Uh, the OC for the Packers and the OC for the Bengals in that same category. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, it, it, the only difference here is you had a switch up as the main thing with Callahan at the QB position mm-hmm. where you are changing your offense from Joe Burrow to Jake Browning, maybe differing very, maybe you don't think it was as much of a change, <laughs> but you also have with Green Bay, just seeing the development of Jordan Love. That's also really hard to navigate. Moving on from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love and seeing the kind of success that he had. Yeah, I think either one of those guys you could absolutely make a case for. All right. So now when we take a look and and Adam Kaplan said that David Tepper wants to copy what the Eagles did. Did that change after the debacle of a year that they had down the stretch and how everything played out? Now, I'll start this thing out. It's like. It's so hard to to copy what other teams do because basically you don't have the personnel that they have. But also, uh, I think things are going to come out in the coming weeks about what happened in Philly, how things started to fall off. And, and and I think in theory, I mean, it's it's not a bad blueprint, but I'm just trying to figure out what that blueprint is. I mean, you went and you drafted the Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith. You added uh, a big-time player in A.J. Brown to the fold. Then you draft Jalen Hurts, a guy that uh, a season or two ago uh, was looked at as a guy that was on the fringe. Uh, not many people saw his ascension coming. And so I think that that's a very tricky mix. And then you talk about the, the greatness of the offensive line and some of the success that they've had with some of the defenders that they've had. I'm not sure that this is a blueprint, really, that could be copied. I think that the Eagles kind of came together organically. And I, I just think it's a situation that you just can't really go out and say, okay, well, we're going to do this, 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 and this in case you're just saying, okay, well, we want to go find a, a MVP Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, go get two really good wide receivers, get a really nasty the offensive line, and then go get some uh, playmakers on defense. Uh, if that's your blueprint, then sure. But I think that the way Philadelphia did it, it certainly wasn't uh, a seamless process for them, one that was streamlined. Because, like I said, coming into about two or three years ago, uh, n- nobody thought that Jalen Hurts was going to turn into the player that he has. Now, I did like Jalen Hurts pre-draft. I really wanted the Panthers to take a shot at him yeah. in like the second or third round, and they never did. And they continued to go the veteran 
QB carousel, which I couldn't stand. I was ready for them to invest in a QB like every other Panthers fan was. And so it worked out with Philadelphia. But you're right. This was an interesting take by Adam Kaplan, who's an NFL insider. And this is what he had to say on Pro Football Network, too. The Panthers have interest in Eagles offensive coordinator Brian Johnson and assistant GM Alec Hallaby for their head coach and GM vacancies. That's what a source told Adam Kaplan that David Tepper was, quote, very impressed and, quote, enamored with how the Eagles run their operations. Mm. The luster, they got got rubbed off of the Eagles yeah, there, right? Did. Whew. I mean, it's, they turned into the worst team, borderline the worst team in the NFL. They were getting destroyed, Wes. Yes. Their offense didn't look good. It looked different. Their defense, that was quite literally the worst in the league based on a couple of different categories. They couldn't tackle at all. They weren't in the right positions to succeed. And even that offense, even when they were winning, Wes, it felt like there was still a little something different. Mm-hmm. It felt like the cart was shaking and the wheels were about to fall off. And then they did. And then they didn't go anywhere. So... That has to cool you on Brian Johnson, right? Like it, it, it would be tough to go after Brian Johnson and say, see what he did last year. I, I view him almost, at least in a similar vein as Mike Kafka, who also got an interview, I believe, with Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, maybe mm-hmm. a different team. But if we go back to last year, we were talking about some of these offensive minds that would be candidates. Brian Johnson was thrown out there. Shane Steichen was thrown out there as the OC of the Eagles. Brian Johnson was the QB coach. Mike Kafka was. But I feel like that's what happens when you wait a little too long. It was a little bit of a risk for Ben Johnson when he decided, no, I'm going back to Detroit. I believe in what's coming up. I think it would have been a decent bet that Brian Johnson would just be coveted to the upcoming offseason, but they just fell apart so much and the offense wasn't ever all that great. And Kafka was a part of all of the problems with the Giants. You got... Tommy Cutlets balling for like three weeks, but then he fell off a cliff too. So I feel like I, I view those coordinators in a similar vein offensively where you know, how, do you point to last year and say, that's why you brought him on board. Yeah. Like it's tough to justify that hire. Yeah. We want to talk about candidates. You would hate to see Carolina hire, put him uh, near the top of the list. Ryan Johnson. Not at the top because yeah. not only that, after Nick Bosa said what he said after the 49ers game, things were never the same. Oh, he I didn't. said after the game, we gave you the blueprint on how to stop the Eagles. He said, you keep Jalen in the pocket. He wants to roll out to one side. You make him roll out to the other way. He's got to throw back across his body. Uh, he basically just said in the media, everything that you need to do to slow down this Eagles offense. And I'd be damned if they weren't awful after that point. And so I think if you're a coordinator and a guy can go out there and just tell people exactly what is needed to be able to slow you down or to stop you. Yeah. Nah, I'm not with that at all. He's going to have to show me something more down the road. That doesn't mean that he can't, but I hope he earned a harsh lesson for this. But yeah, that was definitely a quote that went viral. Uh, that was going viral pretty much every week after they lost to San Francisco, but once they lost in the playoffs, people were saying, listen, Nick Bosa told you exactly what you needed to do to shut down this offense, and so I think the interesting thing, too, for Jalen Hurts, and I think this reflects on the coaches as well, is that when you do take away that ability, because Bosa also talked about how uh, Hurts always looks at the rush, and so he said, if you keep your rush disciplined and don't just go up the field and give him the ability to get out of the B-gaps, as he talked about it, that it's not the same offense either, and I think that when you have an indictment, like if you keep Keep your quarterback in the pocket. He's not the same player. And what your quarterback is supposed to play from the pocket, then yeah, nah, that, that doesn't reflect well on the offensive coordinator. Yep. Uh, 
Brian wrote in on the text line and said Brett Coleman made a YouTube video talking about Brian Johnson's offense, and man, it looked a lot like Frank Reich's scheme. And remember, we did have that Eagles-Frank Reich link because there were so many guys that we yeah, worked yeah. with. Yeah, you don't want Frank Reich back in here. Is it anybody that you would hate to see them hire? Yeah, it's a guy they interviewed today. I, I it, it's funny because we've been going to this pool and like, oh man, there's so many good candidates. I, I can't get mad mm-hmm. at any of them that they've interviewed for the most part. But today, talk about hard to justify a hire. They interviewed Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Yeah. Damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fitty speaking to us via Chris McLean's voice. Talk about that. I mean, it'd be how do you justify it, right? Yeah. It would be the fact that they ranked high up there in defense, I guess, the last two years. But this past season, it felt like if they weren't getting after the passer, if Micah Parsons wasn't Superman, if Teron Bland didn't run it back for a pick six after he intercepted the football, then they were susceptible. The last game, the lasting memory we have of Dan Quinn running a defensive unit is allowing close to 50 points if Green Bay decided to pour it on even more. We also know that he coached the Atlanta Falcons and was a part of the 28 to three debacle that not only he didn't get fired after taking his team to a Super Bowl. We have to remember it also didn't work out the last couple of years there, right? There was a reason he got fired. It wasn't because of the 28 three debacle because he wasn't coaching at a high enough level anymore. So it didn't work out with Atlanta. You're the defensive coordinator for Dallas. And, man, we saw some bad defensive performances all across the year, too. It's not like this was the only one. If you weren't getting after the pa- uh, the passer and you weren't turning it over, then they were a little susceptible. They couldn't stop the run. Yeah, man, Dan Quinn would be the guy I would be least happy with. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Earlier this week on the Kyle Bailey Show... Right now, we talk some playoff football. We talk about the future of the Panthers with a 17-year NFL veteran, Super Bowl champion, NFL and college football analyst with CBS Sports, Steve Berline, back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Steve, it's been a while, brother. I appreciate the time. How you been? Yeah, it's been a while. Great to be on with you, though, man. I thank you for having me. And You left off one of the most important facts, obviously, Carolina Panther. 
Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to get to that because I was going to point. I was going to point out that uh, the current Carolina Panther quarterback Bryce Young, unfortunately, tied you for the most sacks I think taken in a season this year. Um, so you know the position. You also know what it likes to have. What it's like to have a rough year at the position from that particular perspective. Just uh, let's start there. Give me your thoughts on Bryce Young this year as a rookie, and you know where you think he failed, or they they failed him, or you know just give me the big picture of what you saw this year. Well, I think in in general, it really is a a crapshoot, uh, for lack of a better term, in terms of uh, when a, a, a first pick in the draft uh, goes to a team that that really is uh, in the very early stages of a rebuild, um, and you know the Panthers, I think, qualify for that description. You know, there's there's a lot of areas where. Uh, the Panthers knew they were going to be deficient and weak, and uh, uh, it was going to be a struggle. I, I think maybe they didn't quite uh, expect it to be as much of a struggle as it was this year. Um, there's a number of reasons for that, I'm sure. Um, you know, not being on the inside, I don't know what all those reasons are. Uh, you know, my concern about Bryce Young well, was. Um, very simple. I think he's got the ability to, to be a, a, a really good NFL quarterback. Um, I think he's got the, the tools to, to be able to be successful. But the question is, can he hold up physically? Um, you know, he's not a big guy. Um, he's not a, a super mobile guy like a Kyler Murray, who I have my doubts on, you know, with Kyler Murray as well. I've been very open about uh, my doubts about him from day one. Uh, being able to hold up and, and be successful, uh, you know, from a physical perspective. So, um, you know, Bryce, he, he, unfortunately, this year he took a lot of hits. I do know what that's like. I've been through it myself. Uh, it's not a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, it's part of playing in the NFL. It's a little bit different today, obviously. Quarterbacks are much more protected than they were, than they were when I played. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those uh, situations where, you just hope that what he went through, what he experienced this year, um, is something that he go both mentally and physically uh, will be able to get past. That's going to be the biggest challenge. Is he going to be strong enough uh, to, you know, put this year behind him and, and use it as a learning experience, and hopefully have the confidence that the Panthers will give him the kind of support that he needs uh, to be able to show what he can do. Well, and it's interesting too, right? I mean. Uh, the general manager, Steve, was fired in part because clearly he thought, he said back in the spring, we're ready to drop a rookie quarterback in here. And they weren't at all, right? Uh, And I bring that up to say, last year, we watched Baker Mayfield struggle here to the point that we thought maybe his career could be winding down. And he won a playoff game last night. So, you know, I guess it's yet another example of we probably shouldn't give up on guys when they're that young, that early, situations fit, all that stuff matters. But, you know, what did you think of Baker last night and the run that he's been on in Tampa this year? And what lessons can be learned maybe by Panthers fans in watching Baker Mayfield's journey back to playing playoff football? Well, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, I was really happy and excited to see uh, what Baker's been able to do the second half of the season. And then, obviously into the the big win last night um over the eagles you know it, it, it we you only you, you can only hope that it's the beginning of um uh, some really good things for him it looks like it will be although i don't think any team is going to 
invest in him uh, based on just the second half of this year um, and even with the playoff performance last night as a true franchise guy. I think there may be some takers out there that, that might be looking to get him in kind of the range where maybe Geno Smith uh, last year got from Seattle, you know, a nice, fair contract, um, you know, but not up there with the top-paid quarterbacks in the league by any stretch. But but a, a short-term contract where he's going to have a chance to prove himself, whether I think Tampa Bay will probably uh, make him that kind of an offer, and he'll probably take it because he's in, he realizes he's in a really good, supportive, comfortable situation there. Why risk it and try to go somewhere else? Uh, and start over and reprove yourself. So I think he's smart enough based on all the places that he's been to realize he's in a really good situation. Uh, the best bet for him is going to be to take uh, whatever kind of an offer Tampa Bay gives him, as long as it's fair, um, and, and just you know hope that he can reestablish himself as that guy and, and uh, build on I'm very excited that he got that opportunity because, uh, like you, you were mentioning, I really thought that uh, it could have been the beginning of the end last last year with what happened with the Panthers, and uh, fortunately for him, that wasn't the case. Steve Berline, 17-year NFL quarterback veteran, former Panther, and of course NFL and CBS, NFL and college football CBS analyst. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Baker's OC, Dave Canales. I don't know how much you know about him, but he's a big topic of conversation here today because the Panthers have already requested to interview him. And, you know, he's a younger guy, 42 years old, little known before really this year. Um, he took a job in Tampa that a lot of guys didn't want because they didn't feel like Tampa was in a position to win, like Todd Bowles might be a lame duck coach. But you look up, and Dave Canales has now done this with Baker this year. He was Geno Smith's quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator in that revival-type season last year. And he was Russell Wilson's quarterback's coach in Seattle before that. I I don't know if you have any thoughts on Canales or just more broadly, if you think Carolina should be looking for a young up-and-coming coordinator like him in this cycle. What what do you think they should be looking to acquire here in the post-Frank Reich era, which of course didn't last very long? Well, a, a couple of things. Uh, you know, I, I've known Frank Reich for a lot of years, and, and I really, really expected that to be a great fit. Um, I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I haven't pressed Frank for any details. Um, I just know it was a very difficult situation all the way around. Uh, I was, you know, really um, sad that it didn't work out for him because Frank is one of the all-time good guys, and I think he's a really good coach. Um, and uh, if I were a quarterback, uh, you know, young quarterback playing the league. He's a guy that I would uh, think would be a really good guy to play for. And again, unfortunately, didn't work out. But as far as Canales goes, um, that that'd be, I think, uh, on on paper, uh, a potential great fit um, for all the reasons you said. Uh, I, although experience uh, and knowledge I have of him, uh, and this is just recently. I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. But uh, Brent Hudley. Uh, Hundley, who um, um, I, I can't remember where their paths crossed. It might have been in Seattle. Um, uh, it could have been. I don't know if where Canales, where, where else he's been. I think it, would have but, had, it would have had to have been in Seattle because he went to USC with Pete Carroll, and then Pete took him straight to Seattle with him. Okay. Well, yeah. and that's – and I, I can't remember. I, you know, I do uh, a show on CBS Sports Network every Monday – during the football season uh, called NFL Monday QB. And uh, Brent has come on and, and uh, filled in for us uh, several times during the course of the year. And uh, he mentioned Canales, and I think it had to be Seattle then for sure. 
Um, and uh, he speaks very, very highly of him and just said that, uh, you know, he, he is a guy that, um, you know, any young quarterback would benefit uh, from being around him and in that kind of an environment because of not only, um, you know, his knowledge and what he brings to the table from a creativity perspective, but also from just the ability to connect and, and uh, communicate and build that confidence that a quarterback has to have with his offensive coordinator. He's, he just seems like he's a, a really top-notch guy and a guy that would be a great fit for any, any young quarterback trying to figure out how to play at this level. Uh, Steve, a couple quick things. I'll, I'll let you go. You know, you you haven't. You know, you're not in the uh, organization now, so you can speak freely. Some people can't, right? Uh, David Tepper right now has been at the crosshairs of national football media, local media, for weeks and weeks now. From firing Frank Reich to the short press conference to throwing the drink on a fan to you know, of course, hiring a new head coach and all that's going on right now. You've been around pro football a long time. You understand full well, um, you know, how much ownership can make or break organizations. What advice would you have for David Tepper? Would you, what differently would you like to see from him, or what different would you like to see from him in order for Carolina to get back on track? Well, you know, I, I don't know Mr. Tepper that well. I, I did have the the opportunity to, to meet him and have my first conversation with him. Uh, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, it was actually the Houston game, the one uh, the, the one game that uh, went the Panthers' way this year. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a brief conversation. I know it's been a really rocky road, a lot of, uh, unfortunate developments, uh, over the course of time, but I, I know what Charlotte is like. I know the people in Charlotte, I know how hungry they are to support a, a winning team, a, a, a well-respected team. Um, and, and th- that community, uh, will respond positively if, um, Mr. Tepper gets these nice Q decisions uh, right and brings in the right kind of people and, and uh, you know, just finds a way to, to get some positive things happening uh, in the community. That, that Charlotte will support him. And, you know, I, I, I love the Panthers. I've always been, um, you know, since I retired in, in uh, 2003, I always have identified with the Panthers. I would love to see this organization get back on top. In fact, I'd, I'd love to be a part of it and and try to make uh, make make things right in, in, in Charlotte. Give them the, uh, the 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 team that they deserve and that they can be very proud of. And um, I think Mr. Tepper's committed to it. He's shown that. Uh, I do think he needs to be a little bit more patient, maybe, and uh, hopefully these next few decisions will pay off for him. Let's get Steve Burlein a job, damn it. I love that idea. Let's get yeah. that. I, we need motivated, good people in that building. Not that there aren't any, but we need more of the, of the Steve Burlines in the building hey, to get the job I would done. Love, I would love to have that conversation. That's, let's go on the record with that because uh, um, I love Charlotte. I love the Panthers, and I think I could make a difference. And I would love to have a part in the, the rebuild of this whole thing. Let's so, do it. You never know what might come out of it. Let's do it. I love it. All right. So before I let you go, uh, you know that um, they say comparison is the thief of joy, right? You've heard that phrase. But that's a really tough sell for Panthers fans right now, Steve, because they're watching C.J. Stroud put forth an historic rookie season, win a playoff game, and they're looking at Bryce Young and like, oh, are we going to get that at some point? I talked with I talked about this with Jake Delome yesterday. I'd love your perspective. Why was Houston so successful in the first year of this operation? Well, you have to look at a bunch of different things. And then a great example, uh, we just were talking about Baker Mayfield. All right, remember 
he was the same draft class as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Okay, uh, so he, Baker has to live with that every single day. He's got to wake up and, and realize that he's going to be compared to those guys uh, no matter what happens uh, throughout the course of the rest of his career. So, um, you know, you're seeing him now with the maturity and the opportunity to maybe take advantage of his new opportunities and and, uh, and be able to compartmentalize what he's been through. Um, for Bryce, that's going to be the biggest challenge is, is being able to say, listen, I'm in a totally different situation. Maybe, you know, there are a very few examples of quarterbacks that have come in to this league and had the success that C.J. Stroud has had in year one. It just does not happen. That is a freaky thing that you look through the history of the NFL. That does not happen. It's not that easy. Uh, but look at what they've done there in Houston. Look at the receivers and the weapons that they've had. They've, they've found around him just this year. I, I know the um, Nico Collins and then the kid that got hurt, the, the rookie. Um, I'm drawing a blank Tank on Dell. His name. Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank Dell. I mean, what a what a phenomenal uh, draft choice that was. And uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan's has come in and defensively they they played very good football, uh, especially the second half of the season. Um, and and they're buying into it. They're playing good complementary football. Uh, I, I I don't know what the difference is between why the Panthers failed and why the Texans had success. I just know that um, you know. There's a lot of good things that have happened in Houston. Uh, maybe they've caught a few breaks. Um, maybe they, they, they obviously found the right guy from a head coaching perspective to this point, and they, they seem to have found their franchise quarterback who um, unbelievably has picked it up uh, so quickly. Uh, couldn't be more impressed. But um, I don't think that the Panthers can get caught up in that. They've got to try to figure out how to get the most out of Bryce Young, how to give him the support he needs, and keep him from going through an experience like he went through this past year. They've got to get some more weapons offensively for him. They've got to get some better protection up front. They've got to invest in that offensive line. I mean, we went through that when I was there. And, and you know, it, it, it's hard to be successful if there are not, you know, if there's not stability and, and a really cohesive good unit up front of a young quarterback. And uh, I think that's where it all starts. Hey, Steve, real quick, last thing. It, it seems like a lot of teams are in a holding pattern right now. The NFL has pushed back the hiring process anyway. Um, but now with Dallas, uh, I saw the Jones boys, Stephen and Jerry, canceled their weekly radio down in Dallas today. The expectation is that Mike McCarthy's probably not going to make it. Um, and now it feels like the rest of the league is looking at Dallas to see if they hire Bill Belichick, which I guess will then kind of unlock the rest of the chain reaction. Do you expect Bill Belichick to be in Dallas? What, what do you, You're a former Cowboy. What, what do you expect there? Well, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Jerry Jones coming out with comments that he made or didn't make uh, after the game about, you know, his age and doesn't have much time left. And uh, I don't think he's going to be real patient. I don't think he feels like he's got a, a year to waste, despite the fact that Dak came out with uh, supportive comments on McCarthy. I think uh, I think if, if Jerry Jones can get that worked out with Bill Belichick and well, you know, he's going to have to let Bill Belichick come in and run it the way he wants to run it. Um, I, I think that would be a, a very, um, uh, I, I don't want to say a good decision because we won't, we won't find out until it actually starts to develop. But I think it would be not a surprising development if that were to happen. In fact, that's where I would, I would kind of put more chips on that happening than not. 
Love it. Steve Berline, 17-year NFL veteran. Uh, his, his resume is so lengthy, I can't get to it all. But he needs a job on Mint Street. I know that much. Uh, CBS analyst, <laughs> NFL, college football. He does it all. And uh, a lot of fun to watch back in the day. Here's hoping we uh, see more of you and talk to you again soon, brother. Thank you for the time. Hey, you got it, man. Anytime. Thanks a lot. You tuned into Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.